Hey everyone, welcome to the Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's word and discusses the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Rob Greer, and today I've got with me my friends Jeff Amstitz. What up, everybody? And Will Hawkins. Hey, hey. We study scripture to understand what it says, grow our understanding of God through it, and ultimately change the way we live our lives in obedience. Over the next few episodes, we're going to dive back into Wayne Gruden's book, Systematic Theology, and look at God's communicable attributes. For this episode, we will talk about the communicable attribute of God's spirituality. But before we dive into our discussion, let's do a quick check-in. Jeff, how has God been working in your life since the last episode? Man, uh, this is a Monday night. And so last night, Sunday night, we had a, uh, a deacon meeting of all the deacons at South Congregation at the Stone. And it was just so encouraging to sit in a room uh, of a bunch of people who are basically uh, publicly declaring that they are willing to take on the needs of the church. That's what a deacon is. And to be sitting in a room with people who are excited about getting their hands dirty to serve South Congregation is just very, I'll just say inspiring. And so it was very fun. Uh, it was a good time, good company at dinner. And uh, just got me jazzed about church. I mean, come on, let's go. That's awesome. Was it a big group? Yeah, we had like, I don't know, 16 of us, 20 of us, something like that. It's a wow. pretty good number of people. That's cool. Mm. What about you, Will? Yeah, so some of you may know that I was in a, or have been in a year-long men's group Um, That just concluded. So we did this past Thursday, we did a recap of our of our time throughout the study, Um, went through a couple different books and studies. Uh, Ultimately, I guess what what came out of it for me was a year of restoration, year of growth, uh, increased joy. And I, I do feel like where I am now compared to where I was at the beginning of the year is it's a lot different. Um, way more confident, more disciplined, more committed to, to those disciplines towards reading scripture. I have a a deeper love for scripture, um, just a lot more gratitude. And then thinking specifically to to my goals, my goals were restore my marriage, um, because of some things that were going on before, um, due to, due to my own sin and then restore my health did a lot of that. And then this men's group was another one. So biblical community, uh, was, was another one. So, uh, it was a really great year and I do feel like it's changed the trajectory of my life. So that's what I got. Heck yeah, man. Praise God. Nothing big in terms of just like, wow moment. But I I think a lot of my recent life, especially since our last episode has just been preparing to be a dad. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of change in terms of how I'm going to handle my time, how I'm going to have to handle my time. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to just learning how to take care of a baby, take care of my, my, my daughter and, and help my wife in that. And I'm just thankful for the gift of having a child and being able to have a child. And so I guess for me, really, it's just anticipation you know, being able to wait for the coming of, of my child. And so I'm excited. I ask that you guys pray for that, that moment. Um, and just really pray that the the labor and delivery goes well. Yeah, man. That's it. every time we sit and talk about Rob's going to have a baby. It's a good time. 
It's a good time. It's a good time. I can't wait. It's going to be a mini me. You're going to be such a good dad. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. Will. all right, guys, let's, let's dive in here. So if you can, will, can you define how Wayne Grudem puts God's spirituality? Yeah, so he defines it as God's spirituality means that God exists as a being that is not made of any matter, has no parts or dimensions, is unable to be perceived by our bodily senses, and is more excellent than any other kind of existence. Thank you, Will. It's a simple definition, but it's, it's, it's robust in its implications. And I think one of the things especially if you've never heard that definition or, or something like it, it can, it can really cause your brain to go many directions. And so what would you guys say based off that definition, what God is not in terms of his spirituality? Hmm. Yeah, this, this section of this uh, chapter. So this is chapter 12 and in the book, it, this, this first section on spirituality touches on a lot of that, of what is God not because mm-hmm. It's how we get it wrong all the time. Yeah. You know, we think in 3D space, so God must also have space. Um, We kind of live in a particular location, so God must be a guy in a particular location. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, I have a body weight and a volume and a, you know, so God must have those things. And that's the opposite uh, way of thinking. We should think of correctly who is God and then figure out, like how we are different from him, not, Oh, I know who I am. Mm. <laughs> Turns out I don't really, but I think I know who I am. So then God must be like me. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Then yeah. we get it wrong. Yeah. It's funny. I, every time I hear sports athletes explain why they do what they do or how they come to the conclusion of their results in sports, they always refer to God as the man above or the man upstairs. Hmm. I'm like, you mean to tell me you can just walk up those stairs and and go see him? Like he's, he's up some stairs that's in your imagination. And that is a wrong view of, of God and his spirituality in terms of, I can just go here and he's going to be there. Yeah. And, and like the, the concept of like the man upstairs is not like heretical from like, if you say that you're like, Oh, you must not believe in God. Cause you said something like right. we're, we're not, but the, if you, if you basically just take that at face value, you will probably make, start making assumptions about God that aren't true, which is right. exactly what you're touching on. So like if, if you see God being above us, that's like, relative location language like Mm -hmm. that's true it's true very in in a lot of respects but what we don't want to say is um when when scripture says that as like a meaning of god is greater than us he is um unlike us that we don't then start thinking well we use the word above therefore god must have a location that's where the leap of logic is wrong we started reversing it would another example of us kind of giving some kind of imagery to it, to him being above, um, for example, him sitting on his throne, right? Like that's a physical thing Mm -hmm. is with that. How would, how would you kind of think about that? Man? Yeah. That's a, so I think a really good way to frame discussions like this is I can only present what my best understanding is. Right. And so there's a lot of grains of salt to go with that. 
And again, with a, with a study like systematic theology, we're trying to say, what does the whole Bible say about this topic? This topic being God's attribute of his spirituality. So touching on things like imagery of him sitting on his throne um, is, is imagery that almost has two different like ways you can look at it. One being God is sovereign and sovereignty was clearly marked by who was sitting on a very specific seat called a throne who is the king over everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very, very like unequivocal. That's about him being the power, the person who has power over all of creation. Well, when we see other parts of scriptures are like, God, God doesn't have a body. He is everywhere. He like all these other things. We, we, we don't come back and say that God sitting on his throne clearly isn't true. It's saying it's, it's rather tightening our understanding to say, well, we know it's not meaning he has a body and is physically sitting on a throne from like a, um, like we would sit on a throne perspective. Rather, it's like, okay, when we read that, we got to make sure we understand what it's trying to say to us. And it's about his sovereignty and his power and his authority. Yeah. And I'm glad you, thank you for, for answering that. That's what I would imagine, um, especially after reading this. But I think a lot of people might generally think they, they, I, I, another example would be someone praying. They think of some God as a physical person they're probably praying to yeah versus god is spirit yeah and and interestingly like it it intersects with um god being physical with and the incarnation of christ because if if god is spirit and so the holy spirit god the father and the son are all god in spirit in they're one in spirit then the incarnation is an explicit like i'm going to decide to put my um spirituality and and conform it to one of the created beings being a human so jesus who is the son of god has the same spirit as god but decided to have a body of a man so if we say god has a body like a man then the incarnation doesn't make sense because like you already had a body well, what's <laughs> What's the deal with you putting on flesh? Wow. If you already yeah, had flesh, that's good. You're recreating yourself. Yeah. It's not a recreation. It is a true incarnation. <clears throat> that's good, Jeff. And, and will, I love the, I love the fact that you guys are, are honing in on some of the more important factors of what we initially would think about God in terms of his spirituality. So the definition you just read for us, Will, says God's spirituality means that God exists as a being that is not made of any matter. Well, if God isn't the things we just said, what does it mean in terms of God not being made by any matter? What is he then? Hmm. Yeah. I think we all have that question. Yeah. I, I know I know. what's also easy for me to think of is like some kind of energy or or orb or like some mist or dust some kind of fit like my mind just can't think that there's no physical substance yeah basically that creation is the only thing that exists therefore god has to be made of something in creation but in order for everything to exist he couldn't have existed in some kind of form of matter right right which makes sense then he needs to be shapeless, formless, not made of matter, not like anything in creation, not held by any size, 
not limited by space for him to be able to create everything else. Yeah. It, the, the, the problem with like a, I'll say a physics based approach to what is God is even like saying, is he energy? Like energy is a concept that is only founded in creation. So like, like inertia requires mm. mass or hmm. electricity requires electrons. These are all like, it's all self-referential. Like mm -hmm. we only like, is God like some energy orb? Well, what's an energy orb? It sounds like a created thing. Like yeah. the only thing we can definitively state is that God is spirit. Um, you know, he, Wayne Grudem immediately says, you know, think of John four twenty four when he's talking to the woman at the well, that God is spirit. This concept of spirit is something that we're trying to say, what is the Bible trying to tell us about spirit and helpful and a helpful way for us to hone in on that is to just keep identifying things that spirit does not mean. And then we get a clear understanding mm. of that. Mm. Yeah. Let me, let me read that verse. You just referenced there, yeah. Jeff. Uh, I'll go back a little bit to verse 23. This is Jesus speaking he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. Verse 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. What is, what does that look like? Yeah. I think that's a better question to answer because every time we try to say, what is it? we only can use language that describes created things. Yeah. Like literally it is like a, a straight up physical limitation of our own brains to comprehend. How do I describe mm -hmm. a, how would I say something is something without reaching for something that's in creation? And we'll get to, you know, Exodus 20 for why we shouldn't do that. <laughs> but what does it look like? I think is a really great question. Well, what'd you say? Repeat the question for me. God is spirit. What does that look like? Oh my goodness. I have no clue. Hmm. And that's okay. I would, I would, I would approach it from a perspective of what do beings, you know, things in creation, what does it look like for you to basically worship God or not? There's parts of worship that we just talk about like creation, um, in accordance to God's original design about uh, images of God ref correctly reflecting the character of God. So that's then specifically for human beings because we're the only beings created in the image of God. But to for like God is spirit, what does that look like? I think it looks like everything else that God is occurs outside of creation. So like all of these other communicable attributes and the way God like directs creation and all that and how he like somehow lives in us uh because of christ like all these things i'd say the sum of all of that is is how i would say what god's spirit looks like yeah i mean when i when i think about especially and i don't i don't want to camp too much on this specific part of the verse for too long but and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth i think and you kind of touched on this earlier, Jeff, you, you can't worship God without God's spirit first awakening yours. And what I mean by awakening is we all, 
as human beings without having read the scriptures or, or heard the gospel, we are dead in our sin, meaning we have no way of comprehending who God is or understanding our need for him unless God himself intervenes and shows himself or reveals himself by his spirit. And once he does that, it changes everything about us and allows us to understand him because we have, or we share just like God, a spirit that allows us to communicate with him, that allows us to, um, worship him, that allows us to act in obedience towards him. And so when I think about what does it look like, it, it looks like us interacting in a way with God where we are communing with him via reading the scriptures, praying, singing song, living in community because that's the way God has designed it. And that's how he is with himself. God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. Yeah. Jeff, you really look like you're ready to say something. <laughs> um, I, I want to, I, I was, I was thinking about like in describing who God is and the, the discussion we, we were talking about, we're using what God's spirituality is not to help us hone in on what it is. I think what actual scripture says about what it's not really is helpful for us um, to make sure we always stay in bounds with this because God's spirituality has mystery to it. Like the fact that we're created beings, we have to on faith take God's spirit is his being. And we don't know precisely what that looks like, mm. but we know what it, we, we don't know what precisely it is, but we, we have lots of evidence of what it looks like. Say that. And you know, uh, Wayne Grudem in, uh, in the chapter brings up, um, first, uh, this section out of Exodus 20, uh, talking about basically the first commandment that, that God directly forbids using anything in creation to say, this is what God is. Let me just read it and let it speak for itself. So in Exodus 20, four through six, we're in the 10 commandments here. It says, you shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord, your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So God's like, don't worship anything that I created because I made creation to worship me. So if you are worshiping creation, you've literally missed the whole point of your existence, your being. And then we get into like Paul basically referencing this in Romans one, when he's going off about how creation decided not to worship God, um, especially specifically people. We are sinners. That's what sin is. And so in, in Romans one, uh, starting in verse 22, says claiming to be wise this is sinners they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things so it's literally like going against that commandment to say i'm going to project an image what i think god should be onto god and that infuriates him because he's not that way mm. and then if you're like following this train of thought and all of a sudden you're like ah why does it have to be this way? I think Paul addresses this in Romans nine. If you're really frustrated about like, I want in on all of understanding who like 
God is and I want to be scientific about it and make God measurable and all this stuff. Well, guess what? Romans 9, starting in verse 20 says, But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel of honorable use and another for dishonorable use? You know, it's just like we are not in a position to basically say God's God not revealing to us details about his spirituality is something we hold against him. Rather, we accept it on faith and that's for our good. Hmm. It's for our good to not know God fully. Is that what you're saying? Well, we can we can know him fully to the extent we're capable. But what we're what people end up complaining about is not being able to comprehend something they're not capable of understanding. Exactly. Mm. And I think you mentioned the word mystery. I think that's what makes it, that's what makes God more appealing is I want to know more of you. Yeah. I know you enough to want to know you more. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And my wanting to know you more will never end. And we talked about this yeah. when we talked about incommunicable attributes. One of them was eternality mm-hmm. and God never ends. Yeah. He never, there was never a beginning. There's never an end. He just is. Why would you worship a, a finite God forever? You would run out. You can't. <laughs> it's impossible. So if you, it, that's the, that's the thing about heaven that people don't really understand is you're going to be worshiping God forever. Hmm. So the God that you're worshiping better be worthy of worship for an indefinite forever. And I, and I think that's why what you read was so important about the idols and created things not being sufficient enough. It's far too limiting. It's imperfect. It's subject to weakness and it misrepresents him. And that's why he gets angry about it. Yeah. Uh, To say that God has a physical nature. This is something that Grudem talks about to say that God has a physical nature or body would be to deny many of his characteristics. Yeah. Which means we're not loving him in spirit and in truth because we're believing something that's not true about God. And so for example, would be, he wouldn't be independent because he would need something to nourish him. He wouldn't be omnipotent because a body is limited in its strength. Yep. He wouldn't be omnipresent, obviously, because a one a body cannot be everywhere at once. He wouldn't be eternal, Rob, like you said, because it, he would be made out of matter and meaning that he began began at one point. He didn't always exist and won't always exist. And then lastly, uh, it denies his unchangeableness because bodies change over time. Yeah. So those are just a few examples of what it would what it would mean, like what it would deny as far as his characteristics. If we were to say that God had his a physical, a physical nature. Yeah. Well said, Will. Man, I, I think we've done an incredible job of just discussing how this attribute has been imparted to us. We've got a few minutes left here. If you could explain this to, to our listeners, guys, how, how does this doctrine or how should this doctrine impact us knowing that God is his spirit and that's it? He's spirit. We, we can't add anything to that or take anything away from that. Yeah. The, the, I think to be really clear about how this attributes imparted to us is a huge part of how you, you know, clearly get an impact for how it matters. Mm. The doctrine matters to us. The, the way God's spirituality is imparted into us is that 
there's a part of each and every image bearer of God that transcends the body that you're in. So you are created as a being who you are and that, that being is only in part your body and your mind. But there's a part there's this concept of like a soul or your spirit that is going to live on when your body and current mind die. And so if you, if you are saved because of the work of Christ, um, then you are going to exist forever with a new body. Now, if you were only your body, your new body would then be a different you. How could it still be you if you have a new body? So there's, I think the act, the, the fact that there's this part of us that transcends, uh, our creation is what, uh, or our created bodies that is, you know, that's something that then we start seeing people that way. So how does this doctrine like impact me? I'd say for me, it's like when you go to and see an image bearer of God, basically any human being on earth, remember that they are also have a spiritual part of them. They may not be aware of it. They may not understand it nearly to the extent we have because God's decided to reveal all this stuff to us mm. through scripture, through the, the faithful preaching of the word, through him personally revealing it to us in our hearts Like that's stuff that literally part of making disciples of Christ is getting people to be awakened, to know that like, there's this entire part of your being that you've probably been ignoring or you don't have, you can't reason about, or you're just unaware of. So, and aiming that at worshiping God is literally the whole reason that being exists. Yeah. Literally, if you're going to end up in heaven, it'll be because it's worshiping God. Wow. Praise God. What about you, Will? What are you thinking over there? Man, I, well, I was thinking that was amazing. One. Mic drop. <laughs> Jeff over yes. here with the punchlines. And then, and then the fact that I have to follow that. But I know <laughs> this question is personal, right? So how, how does this impact me? Uh, I think you, you obviously touched on a lot of it, uh, which for me I think would be worship. It right-sizes me to know... Ooh, right size. Right size. I like me. that. Yeah. Because God's not sized, you are right sized. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Uh just puts me in my my rightful place. Um I am a created being. He is not. And all the implications of that. Yeah. That I just listed through him being omnipotent, omnipresent, eternal, independent, like I can trust, I can trust a being like that, the the creator of everything. Yeah. And that's who I serve. So it's good, man. Good stuff. Well, yeah, man, you guys summed it up. Well, I think the only other thing I would add is when you, you touched on this, Jeff, we, we are sinful, broken beings that with, without, without the acknowledgement or the revelation that you need God, you'll stay there until he decides to, to intervene. And so the reason why I say this before I wrap up my point is because the reason it impacts me so much is because without that, now that I know this, without that, it's like you have so much more or you should empathy for those other image bearers who don't feel that way. And if there's something that has happened in their life, it should draw you to want to share what you've experienced with them. 
Um, and I just think you have a not you having a knowledge of God's spirituality should draw you to want to make sure that that person or, or a group of people have the opportunity to experience worshiping God in spirit and truth. Yeah. I, I kind of want to add to, um, we're talking about other believers, right? It's, I think what we all share in that our spirits, we're, we're all adopted into God's family, right? And so we, we share in that experience of being God's, um, so I think, I think that's something that's encouraging to me is that we all, that we all have that relationship with him. Um, and that even, even the security that our souls have, it, it there's something that happens after this. Like yeah. you, Jeff, you said, our, we, our bodies stay here, but our spirits don't. Yeah. Our spirits live on. Um, and in some sense are eternal at that point, at that sense. Yeah. Um, and that so. also it, it's, it's what flies in the face of legalism then. Because your mind and your body are not your spirit. Therefore, if you think they just happen to do some good things, that everything's fine. But no, what is going to be in heaven is your spirit. And if that's not what was in line with God's spirit, if that wasn't remade to come back to him, well, then your body and, body and mind didn't end up really mattering all that much. Mm. Yeah, that spirit is what is the key. That's what you got to see in other people. And yes, obedience follows, but that's another discussion for another day. What a way to transition there, Jeff. <laughs> well, everyone, that's all we have for today. Thank you for those who have listened to this episode, and we hope you are encouraged and equipped in truth. Please share this with a friend or loved one so that others can be reminded of God's truth today. As always, thanks for listening to the Culture of Truth podcast. See you later, everybody.